0: Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening our eyes to a new view of life. Glad you joined us today. You know, each day we live, we all have a series of choices of where to spend our time and what to think and how to go about our day. And some people choose to fill the gaps in their day with worthwhile things, like uplifting podcasts. And this podcast is born from a deep desire to help us all live a happier life. And the firm belief that a powerful way to make that happen is to open our eyes to new ways of seeing life. You see, we believe that the foundation of our behavior and beliefs is the way we see the world and ourselves in it. So hopefully today in this time together, we'll get a new perspective of how to think and live better. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about your sense of humor and ask you an important question and this is it. Do you talk funny? You know, when I was a young man, the movie Footloose was released by Paramount Pictures. Dean Pitchford, who won an Academy Award for the movie Fame, came up with the idea of Footloose and wrote the screenplay. It was about a high school boy named Ren McCormick who moves from Chicago to a small town. Now, that small town was, in reality, my small town, The flour mill where Wren worked and where some of the filming was done is Lehigh Roller Mills, and that's where I worked as a young man during high school. I spent a lot of afternoons and nights and weekends bagging flour and cleaning the mill. The church, the fields, the farms, and the homes used in the film were all in the area of my boyhood home. Now, in the story, because of a car accident years earlier, the city council had placed a ban on dancing within the city limits and McCormick attempts to overturn the ban on dancing. But the city council is led by Reverend Shaw Moore, who yields great influence among the citizens. And Wren strikes up a friendship with the Reverend's daughter. And together, they engage in a strategy to overturn the ban on dancing in the town. At one point in the story, Ariel, the Reverend's daughter, and her mother pass on to McCormick several Bible verses that demonstrate the approval of God to dancing. And when Wren McCormick reads these verses in the city council meeting, the reverend recognizes the hands that helped Wren to those verses. And eventually, the dance is held at the very flour mill where I worked, and the teenagers in the town are footloose in their celebration of dance. Now, the part of Wren McCormick is played by Kevin Bacon, and the role made Kevin a household name, but he wasn't the first choice for the film. Both Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe were invited before Bacon, and the role of the Reverend's daughter was first offered to Madonna and Haviland Morris before it was given to Laurie Singer. And Kenny Loggins topped the charts with the theme song, Footloose. In the film, one of the scriptures used by Rem McCormick to persuade the city council was Ecclesiastes 3, 1-4, through 4, which reads as follows, To everything there is a season and a time, To every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. This is a profound scripture that I believe is true. There are times appointed and seasons appointed to us in our lives. And at times we must plant and at other times harvest. And yes, we should dance. But I'd like to focus on something else in that scripture. We have seasons of mourning, and we will, yes, we are meant to laugh. Laughing is a magical anecdote to the stresses and worries of life. In fact, one very effective therapy is laughter therapy. Depression is the disease where neurotransmitters in the brain, such as dopamine and serotonin, are reduced. And there's something wrong with your mood control circuit of your brain. Well, laughter can alter dopamine and serotonin activity, and it's proven to restore mood control. If you don't believe in the power of laughter, jump on the Mayo Clinic website, and here's what you'll learn. Laughter creates physical changes in your body. In the short term, it stimulates your heart and lung muscles. It increases endorphins. It cools your stress response and heart rate, and it's proven to provide muscle relaxation. In the long term... Laughter is proven to strengthen your immune system, relieve pain, improve personal well-being, and dramatically alter mood. And people who use humor effectively gain influence. That's why some of the best people people, the best business leaders, use humor with ease. You know, Dwight Eisenhower said, A sense of humor is part of the art of leadership. And I agree. Even though it was given years ago, I still remember a story shared in church by a man named Joseph Wordland, who I admired a great deal. He shared this story when he spoke about the importance of laughter in life. He said, I remember one of our daughters went on a blind date. She was all dressed up and waiting for her date to arrive when the doorbell rang. In walked a man who seemed a little old, but she tried to be polite. She introduced him to me and my wife and the other children, Then she put on her coat and went out the door. We watched as she got in the car, but the car didn't move. Eventually, our daughter got out of the car and, red-faced, ran back to the house. The man that she thought was her blind date had actually come up to pick another one of our daughters who had agreed to be a babysitter for him and his wife. We all had a good laugh over that. In fact, we couldn't stop laughing. Later, when our daughter's real blind date showed up, I couldn't come out to meet him because I was still in the kitchen laughing. Now, I realize that our daughter could have felt humiliated and embarrassed, but she laughed with us. And as a result, we still laugh about it today. Next time you're tempted to groan, you might try to laugh instead. It will extend your life and make the lives of all those around you more enjoyable. Have you ever wondered why you feel so smiley when you pick up an old photo album of yourself or your children? You know, the memories just come flooding back to your being and you smile. You just smile. Well, those same endorphins and physical reaction happens when you laugh. Years ago, I was working away from home in Australia. It was a brutal grind. I'd been in the country about five days, and I was jet-lagged and honestly depressed. My teenage children were home. I was missing their lives. The work was slow. I was alone, and I hate airplanes. Now, I don't mind flying, but the smell of the plane reminds me of traveling away from home, and I just don't like it. And all of this was bearing down on me as I contemplated a five-day trip to many of the cities in Australia. But then along came my friend, Ed Bestoso. He was going to travel with me. Now, Ed is full of laughter. He walked up to me and told me how ugly I was, and then told me a joke about his ugly sister, and we started to laugh. And we laughed for days. It was the best trip. My stress was gone. My mood altered, and my love for Ed grew. His laughter saved me during a very difficult time in life. And I've tried to learn from his example. I resolved from that point forward to be better at connecting with people through laughter, and working on my sense of humor and becoming a person who could use humor with more skill. Now, I still have a long way to go, but it has changed my life in a lot of ways. That's right. Humor has made me a better person. When you can turn up the corners of your mouth, form a smile and laugh, you become a better person. And when you can do that for someone else, they become better as well. So if all that is true, then how do we become more skilled at using a sense of humor? And how do we learn to talk funny? funny? Well, talking funny really is a learned skill. And some people have, over the years, acquired a funny style or sense of humor, and to them it seems natural. But using humor with skill is something that needs attention and focus, just like becoming a great communicator needs focus. In fact, much of being a great communicator Is knowing how and when to use humor and to be able to use that humor with ease. And sometimes we think that to talk funny, we need to be as skilled as a stand up comedian, but not so. It is helpful, however, to watch others who use humor with ease and copy their moves. You know, one of my good friends was an expert with pausing. He could just pause and with a facial expression, he'd start people laughing. And while I don't have his expressive face, I have learned to pause a little bit more from him. Another great sense of humor building skill is to begin to see the humor in everything. Honestly, there is a hidden joke behind every situation you come across. And if you have grandkids like mine, there's something to laugh at all the time. A sense of humor does require you look at things from the funny side. In fact, wherever you are right now, and whatever you're doing, there's likely a funny side to it. For example, in an employee meeting the other day, the host of the meeting started the meeting naming the records that were set on the previous day, which was the end of a holiday weekend. Records in terms of attendance, revenue, cars parked, etc. And it just so happened that before the meeting, I ran into the security director on the way in. And I asked him how it went the previous day. And he said with a frown, well, we had 11 lost children by noon. And he kept walking. Now, it's not uncommon in a crowded children's museum for parents and kids to become separated. And usually that happens once or twice a week. But on a busy day, it can happen a lot. So when the host started talking about records, I looked at the funny side, and then I knew I had my joke. So after I was introduced and stood up to speak, I said, I'm so proud of the records we set yesterday, but one record wasn't mentioned. By noon, we lost a record 11 kids. And the audience laughed and we were off to a good start. You know, years ago when Jennifer and I were newly married, we lived near a trailer court full of trailers where married graduate students lived and they all lived on a tight budget while going to school. Graduate school for me was stressful. Pressure to get good grades, no money, no insurance, old cars that always broke down and you get the picture. Well, one afternoon I was driving down the road and saw a husband and wife who we knew that lived in the trailer court. They were walking, holding hands, and laughing. And they were laughing in such a big way, I couldn't help but smile when I drove past them. I later asked them what they were laughing about. Well, he said, we were walking home from an automobile accident where our car was totaled. We only have liability insurance because that's all we could afford, so we've lost the car. And we just learned that my wife had lost her job, our only source of income, while I'm in school. And then when we thought the happenings of the day couldn't surprise us anymore, we had just gotten a phone call that my wife was unexpectedly pregnant. All in all, we were laughing because we thought, when will we ever have a day like this again? And the truth is, there's so much humor in our lives, but we've got to see the funny side. So how do you get better at seeing the funny side? Well, some funny people will tell you to take a half an hour a day for a week, and write amusing things that you've seen or have happened in your life. Then, always keep your phone or notebook with you. And anytime you have an amusing idea or something that strikes you as funny, write it down. These things, this catalog of amusing things, will become fuel for your humor fire. Then you can return to these things and think of a way to make them funny. One of the things in my notebook of humor is an experience I had while running the Salt Lake City Marathon. And I wrote it down, and I figured out a way to use it. Now, you've got to understand hardcore marathoners. Leading up to a marathon, you've been training for over a year. You pay attention to everything, what you eat, the pace of your practice runs, and your time. On race day, you're super stressed about hitting your time goal for the marathon, so nothing's going to get in the way of your goal time. Everything is organized, your shoes, clothes, time you board the bus, your pace per mile, and so forth. So when you start the race, any deviation from the plan stresses you out. And for some people, they're so worried and stressed that it causes them to have, let's say, stomach issues. And having stomach issues on race day is the worst because even though there are porta potties on the race, there's usually a line. And if you stop, you know your goal time for the run is in jeopardy. So you get the picture. Well, as the race started that day, all around me were a host of stressed out runners all trying to get in front of the slow runners so they could meet their time. I've always liked, you know, the drumbeat of running a marathon because in front of you and behind you are a sea of runners all rising and falling as they push off and land in their running cadence. And as you look over the expanse, it's like a wave of heads rolling along. It's quite graceful. Well, this day at mile eight, as we ran down a long residential street in Salt Lake City, that beautiful rolling wave of runners was disrupted when I saw a woman jolt from her place in the procession and sprint to the front yard of a random home, turned so she was facing the road, dropped her running shorts to her ankles, bared herself to the world, squatted down and let all her stressed out diarrhea loose on the front lawn. Now, at first I started laughing, then I caught myself because she must have been pretty sick to do such a thing and not wait for a porta potty and it wouldn't have been very kind to laugh at her extreme discomfort, but then I imagined what was really happening from a different point of view. I pictured the poor owner of the house who was standing at the front window drinking his morning coffee, inspired by the runners running past his home when all of a sudden he was exposed to what was left of the woman's high-carb loading dinner the night before. I laughed even harder when I imagined the discussion between the homeowner and the race director later that day. I mean, you can hear the homeowner, but she dropped trow in my front yard, and then she didn't even leave a note, she just ran away. I mean, dog owners at least clean up after their dogs. Well, I laughed the rest of the race. I'm sure I was quite a sight running along with a big smile on my face. You know, one funny person said, humor's not about one-liners or being able to tell jokes. Things happen on a daily basis that are really funny, but people often let the funny stuff get away either because they don't notice it as funny or they don't make it a priority to look for it. In our lives, there is a funny side to much of what happens in our life. So write these things down, revisit them, and repackage them in a funny way, and you can use these things to improve your sense of humor. And in the right settings, and at the right time, you may share a story or two. I use my funny story, joke, and humor file that I've created all the time. I use it in speeches, in training, and in life. So start your humor file today. Why do this? Because as Jeff Gittimer says, if you're giving a training or speech, the end of laughter is followed by the height of listening. Next, sense of humor experts tell us that it's helpful to learn and keep with you some very simple jokes. Jokes that you can use in everyday conversation. Jokes that can lighten the mood. And what you'll find is that the jokes you learn can be tailored to your life. For example, one of my favorite places to find laughter and humor is with my kids. My kids, especially when they were teenagers, were full of humor. And the fact that we have five kids and all five were born within close time frame to each other, made for lots of chaos and humor. Jared, number two child and number one son, was always laughing and having fun. At one point in time, he could quote every one-liner from the movie Dumb and Dumber, and it was fodder for laughter on almost every car ride. What was most funny was his delivery. He sounded almost exactly like Jim Carrey. My favorite joke that has been improved over time that I borrowed from others, goes like this. My wife and I were tired of sleeping in and doing what we wanted in a clean house, so we had five kids. And not only five kids, but five kids close together. One day, we were waiting in front of a restaurant, hoping our table number would soon be called. Our kids were running and screaming and being chaotic. And this was in contrast to the half a dozen couples that were waiting to enter the restaurant for a quiet evening with their date. Well, my wife and I were standing next to a couple and started a conversation. I apologize for our five kids. To which the man replied, If you could do it again, would you have five? To which I replied, Not these five. One comedian described his kid's joke as he spoke about how kids control their parents. He said, Kids know how to manipulate you. Case in point. Kids will eat anything, treats, chocolate, and especially sugar all day long. But they don't like vegetables. And parents try to feed them vegetables and fruit, you know, good healthy things. It never works. Here's how dinner goes. You try all the preemptive approaches you can. Okay, tonight there's going to be no ice cream until you eat all your peas, all your broccoli, and all your carrots. Deal? What do children do? Well, they ignore the premise of the deal entirely. I don't want to eat my peas. I hate peas. They're disgusting. You can't make me. They're disgusting. All right, you say. Eat five peas, four carrots, and this floret of broccoli. I hate them. They're disgusting. I can't eat them. All right. And you compromise again. Finally, you're left with, just stick out your tongue and let me wipe the broccoli across your tongue. Here's your ice cream. Now, I borrowed this one from a really funny comedian. The truth is, you don't have any idea what you're doing as a parent. And if you're the firstborn, you're in trouble because your parents are using you like a lab rat. Trust me, if you're a firstborn kid, When your parent puts you in timeout, they're on the other side of the room saying, what do we do now? And when you're at the pet store with your daughter and she's crying, I want a guinea pig. Daddy, can we please have a guinea pig? You can kindly say, we already have one, sweetheart. It's you. When I was a kid, I had seven brothers and sisters. And by the time my parents had me, they'd given up almost entirely. At breakfast time, they'd throw a cereal box in our direction. And when my mom bought a box of Lucky Charms, by the time I got to it, There was hardly any cereal left, and all the marshmallows were gone. So I have this constant craving for Lucky Charms that's born out of some deep-rooted childhood trauma. And once in a while, I'll have a bowl of Lucky Charms as an adult. But my daughter has lost her mind, and she doesn't want her kids, my grandkids, to eat so much sugar. So I've been told I can't eat Lucky Charms anymore. But I like them. So the other day, my grandkids were sleeping over, And I snuck into the pantry, slid the cereal off the top shelf where I'd hid it, hunched down on the little stool and poured myself a bowl of Lucky Charms. I took out the marshmallows and put them on a shelf in a nice little pile. I never liked them anyway. And there I sat on my little stool in my own house, hidden from public view in the pantry to enjoy my breakfast when the door cracked open. And there I was face to face with my four-year-old grandson. I froze with a mouthful of cereal. He looked at me, I looked at him, and I'm thinking, we're okay, right? Because we have a common enemy, his mother. Well, he slammed the door and I heard him say, mommy, grandpa's eating Lucky Charms again. A dirty rat. Another comedian was talking about parenting and he said, I've noticed parenting has changed as technology has changed. When parents yell at their kids nowadays, it's like this. You come upstairs when I text you, do you understand? You make your bed or I'll unfriend you. I will. When your kids get older, everything changes. You wonder what evil spirit has come down and possessed the body of my beautiful girl. Trust me, it will happen. One day, my teenage daughter came home. My wife yelled, your room is a mess. She yelled back, you should see my life. Another comedian shared his story of raising lots of kids and how parents get more and more lax in their effort. He said, when your first child eats dirt, you rush them to the doctor. When your second eats dirt, you wash out their mouth. By the time you get to child number three, when he eats dirt, you think, great, don't need to feed him lunch. Now, the jokes you will learn and take with you may not be that long, just short jokes like, you'd stop worrying so much what people think about you if you really knew how seldom they do. Or why is psychoanalysis a lot quicker for men than women? When it's time to go back to their childhood, men are already there. Or this. A woman and her husband interrupted their vacation to go to a dentist. I want a tooth pulled and I don't want Novocaine because I'm in a hurry, the woman insisted. Just extract the tooth as quickly as possible and we'll be on our way. Well, the dentist was quite impressed. You're certainly a brave woman, he said. Which tooth is it? With that, the woman turned to her husband and said, show him your tooth, dear. Or this. The man and his wife were at a restaurant having dinner. Nearby was a woman who was rather drunk, sitting at the bar and talking loudly. The man kept glancing in her direction, and finally his wife asked, Do you know her? Yes, he said. She's my ex-wife. She started drinking after our divorce seven years ago and hasn't stopped since. Well, said the wife surprisingly, who knew she'd go on celebrating that long? Next, to learn to talk funny, pay close attention to how others use humor. What I've noticed is people that are the best at talking funny always have the right amount of wrong in their humor. They also don't overdo or overuse their humor. You know, nothing can be more annoying than hearing the same jokes over and over again. They also rarely laugh at their own jokes. They're great at using facial expressions to make something even more funny. And they never make topics such as sex or bodily sounds the topic of humor, but they're skilled enough to find humor in everyday occurrences. And I have often made the mistake of sharing something slightly offensive. One time I shared this joke to a group and it didn't go over well. Let me tell it to you. You can see why. A couple had been debating the purchase of a new car for weeks and he wanted a truck, but she wanted a fast little sports car so she could zip around town and through traffic. And he probably would have settled on any beat up old truck, but everything she seemed to want was way out of their price range. Look, She said, I want something that goes from zero to 204 seconds or less, and my birthday is coming up. You can surprise me. So for her birthday, he bought her a brand new bathroom scale. Don't ever use that joke. Now to work on your funny side, learn to be witty, not silly. The challenge of wit is its spontaneity. So watch people who use wit with skill, copy their moves, be willing to try a few things, practice. It takes work to have wit, but you can become better. You know, most comedians spend an estimated 24 hours of work for every one minute of performing. So be willing to spend some time on your wit, because it is an incredible tool. You know, when asked during the 1984 presidential debates if, at 73, he was too old to be president, Ronald Reagan quipped, "'I will not make age an issue of this campaign.'" I'm not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. Next, use stories where appropriate. One author wrote The human species thinks in metaphors and learns through stories. And I'm a deep believer that stories teach the best. Great stories are great teachers. So, your humor may not be in the form of a joke, but in the form of a story that makes you smile. For example, My daughter, number four, Elizabeth, was and is a puker. On the long car ride or airplane ride, she often threw up. And still today, if anyone's going to throw up, she's likely the one. Interestingly, her son has followed suit. Well, when she was young, one night, I was sleeping soundly on my side in my bed with my face facing out toward the edge of the bed. I was sound asleep. About two in the morning, I just had this sense that Something evil was lurking in my room and I opened my eyes and there, a few inches from my face, was four-year-old Elizabeth. No sound, no warning. Like a stealth, silent intruder, she was just right there in front of my face. What I didn't know was that she was horribly sick to her stomach. Startled, I said, Lizzie, what are you doing? And I should have never encouraged her to open her mouth. Yes, the moment she tried to answer... For dinner, lunch, the previous three breakfasts, a dozen fruit snacks sprayed right into my face. The thick pink bubbly liquid ran down into my ear cavity, into my eyes, caked my hair. And when I breathed in, it even ran up my nose. Well, ever since that day, I no longer sleep facing the side of my bed. So as we end today, think about your own sense of humor. You can learn to talk funny. And if you and I can learn to do this, We can use appropriate humor to become a better speaker and leader. Most of all, we can bring laughter, which is needed more today than ever, to the lives of the people around us. And we can be better team leaders, parents, and people if we can learn to laugh at life and the myriad of funny things life has to offer. Remember, there is a season, a time to laugh, and you can help others do that as well. And you can do that by writing down the things in life that catch your attention and then look at the funny side of those things. Work on your humor book. Work on your wit as well and commit a few funny things to memory so you can use them when the time is right. Smile more, purposefully laugh more, watch people who talk funny and copy their moves and watch you will find less stress, more laughter, better influence with others, and a more joyful life, doing the same everyday things you do today, but laughing because you can now talk funny. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.